Welcome into another episode of the Damn Good Dogcast, everybody. I am your host, Dylan. I'm joined today by Luke. What's up? Colin. Hello. And JD. How's it going? All right, we're going to get straight into it today, talking about some quarterback free agency with Derek Carr. Where do we think he's going to end up? I mean, there's a lot of options for Derek Carr, and so I think it's going to be a very long free agency for him. He's not going to be somebody who signs as soon as the free agency wire is available, but I mean, all of the NFC South is an option for him. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, The Colts. uh, I was going to chime in and say, I think the Commanders are a pretty underrated option just because of all the weapons they have on offense. Plus, you know, I think you can't really bet on Carson Wentz and or Taylor Heineke for as long as they've been on the team and whatnot, even though they have produced some, you know, playoff appearances and whatnot, I think you'd rather take your Derek Carr versus them too. One thing I will say about the Colts and Commanders quarterback situations is they are both going in the same direction where it seems like they are both playing the rent-a-quarterback game, and I think those fans might burn down the stadiums if they continue to do that. So I don't foresee Derek Carr ending up with the Colts. I could see him going to the Commanders, not on a long-term deal, and for that reason I don't think he's going to go there because I think what he wants is that long-term contract. But obviously your front runners right now, you've got the Jets and the Saints come up the most often. Yeah, you know, one thing I was thinking about with Derek Carr was I don't think Indianapolis is an option. Although they've had, you know, Wentz, Rivers, Brissett, everyone since Andrew Luck retired has fizzled. You can't forget our warden savior, Matt Ryan. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't even want to mention him. But uh, so everyone in Indianapolis has faltered, and I think Chris Ballard and Jim Isray are done. I think they are going to make a splash. They're probably my team to trade up for number one, and we'll probably talk about that later. The only reason I can potentially see Washington is with the hire of Eric Bieniemy, which also we will get into later. He might want a veteran quarterback to command his offense if he does not like what he sees out of Sam Howell. However, I think the front runner is definitely going to be the Saints. And for the number one reason, they have the best offensive line out of all of the teams that need a quarterback. And that Derek Carr with the Raiders never had an offensive line. Like, yeah, he put up numbers every single season, but he had no supporting cast until like this previous season. And then that's when they get rid of him. Like, it made no sense to me. Yeah, one thing with Derek Carr, he was he was been so good. I mean, he was a top three MVP finisher, and he probably in uh, twenty sixteen, and he probably should could have won it and won that playoff game had he not got hurt, and that's a whole thing. And I to me, I believe if an NFC South team does not grab him up, I think that's a tragedy because they're 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 Derek Carr. Any team is Derek Carr away from winning that division and going to the playoffs next season. Most certainly, one team that I will say. Not necessarily one team, but there are two teams in the NFC South that I think suit him better than the other two, and that would be the Bucks and the Saints, just because they already have those offensive lines in place. And Derek Carr isn't necessarily the most mobile guy. So in the case of the Falcons and the Panthers, where you don't really have that offensive line, I think it is definitely a better move to draft that quarterback in the draft. And hey, the Falcons have Desmond Ritter. Maybe they stick with him, but of course we've also heard the rumblings about Lamar Jackson, so we'll see where things go. Actually, I think the Panthers are an underrated option because you saw after they traded everybody away, they had a sudden resurgence there at the end of the season. And so they could be a surprise pick. And Frank Reich is also a quarterback whisperer. He's really good with quarterbacks. So Derek Carr, he would get the most out of him. I still think, though, the Panthers with their number nine pick, they probably are going to draft the young quarterback because I feel like Frank Reich would rather 
you know, jumping into the Panthers franchise, just build from the ground up for, because they already have, you know, like you said, the resurgence, they still have DJ Moore. They still have a solid running game and foundation. The defense has still played a pretty, pretty well. I think underrated. Yeah, exactly. So I think them, you know, maybe not going for Derek Carr, but still drafting a QB high. But I was just going to say that I think the Bucks are the prime, you know, suspect just to grab him because they already had Tom Brady leave. They can just plug Derek Carr right in there and he would still be able all, to throw to Evans and um, all, Godwin. All reports are indicating, though, the Bucks are highly confident in Kyle Trask, and that's who they're going with going forward. <laughs> that's insane. That's interesting. Like, yeah. he was a second-round pick, sat behind Brady for two years. Like, I... I could see it. We but. shall we shall see. I, I don't know about Kyle Trask, but I think Todd Bowles is a bottom five head coach in the league, so maybe the Bucks just won't be good. Final prediction for Derek Carr. Let's go around the table. New Orleans Saints. I got to go Bucks. Saints. I'm going to go Saints as well. So we all think he's heading to the NFC South. Let's keep it in the NFC South. Let's talk about the Bucks' recent hire of Seattle assistant coach Dave Canales as their offensive coordinator. One of the things I saw with Dave Canales was 13 years with the Seahawks and that is prime Russell Wilson. He's been there with Pete Carroll for so long and now Geno Smith developing into a very solid quarterback. I think there's potential if Geno Smith does not sign, re-sign with the Seahawks, the Bucks might be able to hop in on that. That is a very long shot just to go with the coach. But I think as offensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, as I just said, I really don't like him as a head coach. So he does need some help on the offensive side. And Dave Canales was a good hire for that. I mean, I don't know as much because, I mean, yeah, Geno had the resurgence. But if you look at their offense statistically, even just the last couple years, Seattle wasn't fantastic and so do they honestly believe bringing him in is going to give their offense that much of a jump compared to uh left which and so i just i don't see it as a fantastic hire and i their coaching staff in general without ever since bruce arians retired just hasn't been fantastic i think the hire actually might turn out better than a lot of you think you know, I feel like Dave Canales had work with Tyler Lockett. He had work with Metcalf. And I feel like just going into the Buck system, which they already have established veterans, they have the run game, even though Kenneth Walker, you know, was that young spark plug player. But I feel like the O-line was better. So I think that just time and if they can really use that young quarterback, like if, like I said, J.D. said, if they're going to go with Trask, I think they can trust him because, I mean, he turned Geno into arguably the most, um, most improved player. So I, I think it's going to be a good hire. Speaking of quarterback situations, let's shift over to a different quarterback situation in the NFC East. It sounds like the Giants and Daniel Jones have gotten off to a bumpy start in their contract negotiations. You know, starting off by firing his agent and now coming into negotiations at 40 to 45 million is absurd. Okay, Daniel Jones, as a Giants fan, he's worth probably 32 million tops, which is the franchise tag level this season. But man, I, I just, he's got to be told that that is not how his play. He's not a Jalen Hurts contract extension. He's not a Joe Burrow contract extension. He's a middle-of-the-road solid quarterback, and that is not worth $45 million. And honestly, you could even argue that he's not a middle-of-the-road solid quarterback because it was one season under Brian Dabble. Like, this season, he had 3,200 yards, 15 TDs, five interceptions. Like, yeah, he took care of the ball, but he wasn't competing with those other quarterbacks at 
4,400 yards, 35 TDs, under 10 interceptions. Like, he's nowhere close, and that's what they're going to get paid. So there's no reason he should even touch that. Now, granted, the Giants did end up making the playoffs, but again, it was mainly because of Brian Dable. You know, the QB whisperer coming from the Buffalo Bills, you know, we, we saw what we did when he turned Josh Allen into. But, I mean, I still don't understand why Dable. I mean, I, you can, I guess you can see, you know, he has having still confidence into himself for, have you know, putting up a better increased season, but there's no guarantee that that's still going to go on in the future. But, I mean, if Dable still has, you know, confidence in him and he thinks it, but, but I still don't think he's worth that much money. I think the biggest argument against paying him is Dable had this success with Josh Allen, an athletic uh, quarterback, Danny, a semi-athletic quarterback. How can you say that we should pay him $45 million when Will Levis profiles as good or better than Danny Dimes? And so why wouldn't Dable just have as much success with him? I'm going to I'm going to disagree with that take on Will Levis. I, I, I Daniel Jones is more athletic than Will Levis on a great day. That is Daniel speak Jones. Your, speak your mind, Jay. Daniel Jones. Has, <laughs> disagree. Daniel Jones is a top five running back, running quarterback no, in the NFL. Back. Yes. Well, top five running quarterback in the no. NFL. Name five quarterbacks that can run better than him. Jalen Hurts, yep. Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen. That's Patrick three. Mahomes. But he, he's a better runner than Patrick Mahomes. No, he is he not. Is. Yes, he is. No, he is. Daniel he Jones had he had 800 yards and eight touchdowns he can't on the even ground. Even run for 50 yards without falling over his own feet. <laughs> One clip everyone's going to talk about twice. Uh, okay. All right, boys. All right, boys. Let's <laughs> calm down. Let's calm down. He I'm did. gonna I'm gonna add on to the Danny I, Dimes. I agree. I, sorry for Will, interrupting. Will Levis is just as athletic as Danny as Danny Dimes. Like no doubt whatsoever. And he has a stronger arm. Daniel Jones' arm is soft. He can't hit. A deep ball if it's to save his life. Like we're talking about, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Changing it, changing the quarterback, getting a rookie quarterback. We're not in a position to take Will Levis. I think a guy like Hendon Hooker could come down here and play much better in a Giants system, and we don't have to spend draft capital on him. That's who I would be thinking of. If we're trading up for Will Levis, that doesn't make sense. Let's move to Brian Dayball's former division in the AFC East. Bill O'Brien was recently hired by the Patriots to be their offensive coordinator. Do we think he can fix that stagnant Patriots offense? I think I think so. But Bill O'Brien has gotten two very good se- when he was at Alabama. He had two elite seasons out of Bryce Young. He, and he and what what are you gonna say? One of his seasons was with Mac Jones. I thought no, no, because uh, Steve Sarkeesian was mm-hmm. there for so it was the last two seasons of Bryce Young. And Bryce Young, we know Bryce Young. He's going to potentially be the number one overall pick in this draft. And he's Bill O'Brien's offense is created with a lot of pre-snap motion and crafty receivers. And he's got Tyquan Thornton and Kendrick Bourne, who are two extremely fast and agile guys on that Patriots team. If he can't, if he can't make Mac Jones the best quarterback, he's uh, the best level of quarterback he's playing at. I think Mac Jones's time in New England is up. Well, and that's the other question because this is the question: Is does he fix? the offense or is Mac Jones the problem? And while I think it does improve under him, especially considering they had no offensive coordinator last year, like that was the dumbest coaching move I have ever seen. He is a DC, but uh, I think he will improve, but I still think Mac Jones talent level just isn't NFL top 15 caliber. Like, I was just going to uh, chime in and say, I, we saw what Bailey Zapp did when Mac was injured earlier in the season. I mean, he led him to a couple of wins, and he honestly looked as good as Mac, if not better in some situations. So maybe I was going to say Mac. I think Mac's the issue. 
Yeah, I agree completely. I would like to see what Bill can do with Mac, and halfway through the season, if maybe not even halfway, if Mac's struggling, I think Bailey can come in and do some damage for that team. I definitely agree that Mac Jones has until the end of the season to prove that he is worthy of an NFL quarterbacking position. Otherwise, I think his time is definitely up. But let's talk about a different guy who perhaps has already proven is NFL worthy. Brock Purdy for the San Francisco 49ers. Where do we think he goes from here after tearing his PCL in the NFC Championship game? I mean, honestly, from the Niners' perspective, hold on to him. Like, there's no reason not to keep a safety blanket. Like, he was a seventh-round pick. You've got him for four years for nothing. League men, yeah. (laughs) There's literally no reason not to hang on to him. From his perspective, it really sucks that he tore that ligament because now everybody's going to be doubting him yet again, Mm -hmm. and it's just going to be one of those, like, he's going to have to get a chance to prove himself again, so he's going to be the backup under uh, Trey Lance, and then if he gets an opportunity to prove himself, we could see a trade that, like the trade that sent Jimmy G to SF, uh, however many years ago that was. Yeah, I think to a certain degree, Brock Purdy's season was overhated. There are so many people saying, oh, you know, you could have thrown Josh Johnson in that team and said he's going to do the same numbers undefeated as a starter. But you see it in the playoffs. It didn't happen. Brock Purdy, there is something special about him, and he may not be an elite-level quarterback in this league. And we don't know because he's only played seven games. He's playing with one of the best coaches in the league, one of the best offenses in the league. But I still think that the 49ers need to at least evaluate their quarterback situation once again when they're both healthy and see where Trey Lance stands because he hasn't been too good in the NFL or he's been hurt most of the time, but you know we haven't seen the best of him. And Brock Purdy undefeated when he started more than five snaps. I feel this is very much an RG3 Kirk Cousins situation. Like it's going to be keep him as a safety blanket. If Trey Lance doesn't perform, you throw Brock Purdy in, and I feel – Brock Purdy has very Kirk Cousins potential. Like, See, uh, I feel like it's the other way around. I think Brock Purdy is in the RG3 spot, and Trey Lance is in the Kirk Cousins spot. I think Brock Purdy performed so well that he has absolutely earned that starting spot going into next season. You do not trade three first-round picks to bench a player. Hands down, Trey Lance will start after tearing Brock Purdy. Tearing I, th- his I think he'll start, but... It might be a huge bust for San Francisco, and I think the leash is extremely short for Trey Lance. I definitely agree. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying he is in the RG3 seat where he is the incumbent starter, and if he messes up, Purdy takes over. Yeah. Well, I suppose we can agree to disagree, but speaking of trades, let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Do we think he gets traded? I was going to say yes. I feel like a lot of teams are showing interest in, in Aaron Rodgers. And you, we saw Jordan Love come out and get some starts. I think Jordan Love, you know, looked – he had some moments of brilliancy in his games that he that he played. And I think Rodgers is just – you know, there's so much drama that's always involved around him where I think the Packers just need to get rid of him because that's in their best interest and you just go with uh, Jordan Love from there. You know, I think if the Jets do not acquire Aaron Rodgers this offseason, I think they can chalk it up as a failure. With hiring Nathaniel Hackett, who brought Aaron Rodgers two MVPs, he was the OC for two MVPs in Green Bay, I think the only reason they hired him was to lure Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, come run the offense that you just ran for two MVP seasons here in New York. They are Aaron Rodgers away from... They could run that division. Oh, I definitely agree. I I don't know about running the division. The Buffalo Bills are pretty... Pretty good, but Aaron Rodgers definitely makes that Jets team, puts them on the same level as the Bills, probably above the Dolphins at this point. That defense that the Jets have built is just so, so solid. 
I was like, yeah, they do have a great defense, but I still don't know if I'd necessarily put them above the uh, Dolphins because that Dolphins offense is just absolutely Well, let's take a look at what the Jets have put together on their offense. They have two – if if – Brees Hall hadn't gotten hurt. They had two Rookie of the Year finalists in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. Their offensive line is only going to keep getting better. It's it's not great at this moment, but it's only going to keep getting better. You put Aaron Rodgers behind an improving offensive line. I'm not saying Super Bowl contender, but I'm definitely saying wild high wild card contender. And I would agree with that. I had written down that Garrett Wilson has the makings to be a top 15, top 10 receiver in this league. He can be Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Garrett Wilson is going to be a star, and if he wants to play with that guy, he can get there. And you also have guys like Elijah Moore, you know, number two on the depth chart. He's extremely underrated, underused. Him and Zach Wilson had some beef this season. Who didn't have beef with Zach Wilson? But guys like Denzel Mims, they got C.J. Ozama and Tyler Conklin at tight end. They have solid weapons that Aaron Rodgers could throw to better, except Christian Watson, better than anyone he had on his team this year. I was going to chime in and say, I think a, a very underrated part, part of that um, Jets team is Robert Sala as a head coach. I feel like the culture centered around the Jets can definitely, you know, entice Aaron Rodgers, but also give him the confidence that he needs where, you know, him being in Green Bay the past couple of years, he's looked uninterested. He's looked downright just playing like he's out of a game already when the game just started. You know, if he gets into that winning scenario and really Sala could just push that you know energy into him I, that just team is very dangerous but there's also the argument that he could go to the Raiders because they are trying their hardest it seems like with Devontae Adams trying to lure him there and we all know how media centric Rodgers is like Vegas is, <laughs> I mean don't get me wrong New York is just as media centered oh New York is more so media centered New York is the media capital of the world but at the same time Vegas is a different type yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely get what you're saying. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is more so attracted to like the being grilled by media. I do think the Vegas media is absolutely more appealing to him. So we'll see how things play out. And the Vegas vibe too. He like you know with his ayahuasca and everything he's got <laughs> yeah, going on. Right. Vegas, Vegas is a very sleeper contender for him. I could see that just because he wants to settle in there, and he has Adams like yeah, um, you know his his best friend and. <laughs> I, I I could see him going to Vegas too. Don't get me wrong, I don't want him to. <laughs> yeah, you'd be you'd be in Broncos hell for a while. As you touched on Luke, Aaron Rodgers has won two MVPs in the past three seasons. Let's talk about a guy who's coached a two-time MVP in Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy. We touched on it earlier. He just took the offensive coordinator job, or excuse me, assistant head coach job for the Washington Commanders under Ron Rivera. What does this mean for both of these teams in Kansas City and Washington? Kansas City, it makes no difference. Like, no offense to be enemy. That offense is going to run smooth with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter who's in there at OC. But the Andy Reid coaching tree has had a lot of success. And so I feel like him going to Washington is his prove-it year. And one year, it could be one year and gone to being a head coach somewhere. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive mind. He just has to show the top levels of the NFL that that's true. Yeah, I'm going to agree about Casey. They there really makes no difference because it's Andy Reid. You know, Andy Reid is the mastermind of that Casey operation. But for Bieniemy, he's been in the past the past three seasons. He's gotten head coach interviews, and he's turned them down and down. I, I never understood why he turned head coaching positions down because. I, but the only reason that would make sense to me is Andy Reid's going to retire and I'm going to take over for KC. But now with him leaving, I think that throws it out of the way and Andy Reid's here for at least two, maybe three more seasons. 
And that also brings me to Ron Rivera could be on his way out sooner or later for retirement in Washington. And he's seeing, okay, if I build up the offense here and the culture, I can in two seasons become the head coach, maybe even one, because there was rumblings that he could retire this year. And then they could have a good culture coming forward from, you know, growing from OC to eight head coach. Yeah, that's a great point. I was actually going to bring up the fact that Eric Bieniemy has received tons and tons of head coaching offers in the past few seasons. But the one that always comes to my mind is the Texans head coaching job because it really it seemed like he was going to sign that contract and then he backed out of it and they hired Levy Smith instead and we see where they are now. (laughs) So him going to Washington and potentially taking over for Ron Rivera seems like a pretty good move for the commanders. Well, I mean, we saw where they ended up, where they're at right now. The Texans, I feel, is actually a really good situation. Well, they could yeah. have been in a much better situation if <laughs> yeah. Davis Mills hadn't decided to score a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if the, if the Colts. That, yeah. that was Lovey Smith saying F you to the Texans. Owners. And I love yeah. it. I <laughs> love the pettiness. I love Lovey, man. Giving the Bears <laughs> back there, you know. Yeah, because yeah. they told him before that game that he was going to be fired. And so he's he was like, screw you guys. I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm going to oh. win and cost you guys the first overall Yeah, pick. you want the number one pick? And no. in, in true <laughs> Eric Cartman fashion, screw you guys and <laughs> him. Yeah. Speaking of the Texans and their NFL draft position, let's get to some NFL draft topics. Who do we have going one? Going one. Depends on if you want to consider a trade or Well, not. let's say things stay as they are. Yeah. Right now, the Bears pick one, Texans pick two. Who goes first? Bears pick one. Uh, I think they have to go with Will Anderson. They really? They haven't had a pass rush since they traded Khalil Mack, and they need somebody to get after the quarterback. Will Anderson could have been starting in the NFL last season. He did not have to come back, you know, except for the rules. He did not. He could have been on that Bears defensive line trying to generate sacks this year. He was that good. And with how deep the interior defensive line class in free agency this year, you have Deron Payne, uh, Jayon Hargrave, just for two guys right there. Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox, even, if they wanted to get a veteran. And the Bears have the number one cap space. They can go out and sign those guys, which makes an edge rusher more probable, in my opinion. I would definitely agree that the Bears, they have so much cap space. They're probably in the best position in the league to go from, like, a worst to first situation. The only issue is... They're one of the teams, like, they're bad on the offensive line across the board. Absolutely. Like, they have to fix that. It it is probably the worst offensive line in the NFL. Outside of Braxton Jones, that that offensive line is garbage. I mean, we saw why Justin Fields was breaking all the fantasy records for him, basically turning into a running back for half the season. Exactly. He 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 had no choice. Exactly. (laughs) And that leads me to another question, which is, if the Bears do trade down, how far do they trade down, and what position do they draft? So if the Bears trade down, I think uh, they'll still be within the top 15 because statistically there is a quality difference between the top 15 and the bottom half of the first round. So they're probably going to limit to the top uh, 13, 14 picks. And the first priority should be that offensive line. They should get a, a right tackle and a center should be their first two picks, in my opinion. Yeah, he's like uh, guys like Peter Skaronsky and Parrish Johnson, two of the top offensive tackles in the draft, should be high on their board. There's also uh, offensive guard center Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Those are three guys I would be targeting from around that mid-15 pick if they go there. If they're higher in the draft, though, if they, you know, say four from the Colts, or uh, I, I don't know, what they, do the Raiders have seven maybe? I don't know if the Raiders strike out on Garoppolo, Rodgers, whoever they're going after, and they say, okay, we're going to now trade trade up for number one. Not to mention even the Seahawks could try to move up from five. Yeah, if they don't, if, if they strike out with Geno. Uh, I think they could still, 
uh, maybe even Will Anderson lasts to five because you, you you don't you don't know right. But if someone trades up for number one, that's a guaranteed quarterback. And then I think number two could also be a quarterback. Maybe not. Hands down, it's going to be quarterback with Texans sitting yeah, in two. Yeah, I don't think Houston's no trading out. So, you know, two quarterbacks, top two, That there's three spots. And if you excuse me, end up with Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, I think you're in a good boat. But I would I would want Will Anderson as a Bears fan. I do think the Bears are definitely going to trade down. I just it, it, I think they're honestly going to go like six or seven or eight just because the, the QB feeding frenzy is going to come off the board with whoever's moving up to number one because, like you said, two QBs going off back-to-back is probably what's going to happen. So them, them definitely getting some extra capital, some boosting up, you know, the, maybe the O-line if some uh, team wants to trade him a, de- a decent O-lineman, but also, you know, getting a good pass rusher like Will Anderson or even, you know, getting a tackle, I think the Bears are pro- probably in a prime spot to try it down. Yeah, I think there's enough depth in this draft that they should go for number of picks and just try to – fill as many holes as they can rather than one great player. There is one position that seems to be not quite as deep as the others, and that's wide receiver. I do think that this class has one true number one wide receiver in it, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, he's been slipping. He's been slipping on draft boards recently. Some guys calling him a not first-round talent. I think that's blasphemy. Jackson Smith and Jigba, he was so elite last year. He barely, uh, not two seasons ago. Last season, barely played. Been a lot of controversy, him not suiting up for the uh, game against Georgia, whatever. I don't care about that. The numbers he put up two seasons ago were out of this world, and he deserves to be that number one receiver, in my opinion. But some guys I had written down that are a little bit, you know, more of a sleeper. Zay Flowers out of Boston College. He is more on the shorter side, but he is fantastic separating. Got glue for hands. And his passion for the game is insane. If anyone else knows about Zay Flowers, he's going to be good in this NFL. One other wide receiver that I do really like coming out of this class, who I I liked him before the season even started, but after his performance this season, he he has just skyrocketed on draft boards. It's Quentin Johnston out of TCU. He is an absolute stud. He is the prototype for what you look at in a wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, while the, it is a shallow wide receiver pool and there are some good talents, do you necessarily have to find your talents in the first round? Because, I mean, Green Bay's Christian Watkins was the second-round pick. Well, let me add to my discussion about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I would like to make a point about some current rosters in the NFL that we have. You see the the Cincinnati Bengals just made the NFC cha- a- AFC Championship excuse me, for the second year in a row. They have the Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase connection. You also have the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, thanks to Doug Peterson, made one of the greatest turnarounds in NFL history in recent memory. They have Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, and there are rumbles that they might go get T. Higgins. That's a Clemson trio right there. You also have, if the Texans do choose to go get Bryce Young, you will have a Bryce Young, and as long as he recovers, I really hope he does, you'll have John Mechie on the Texans. I think partnering Justin Fields with Jackson Smith and Jigba could take the Bears' offense to another level immediately. You have to fix the offensive line first. I don't care who you have at receiver. If you are constantly running for your life, you're never going to be able to be accurate with the ball. Well, that's where the cap space comes into play. There is a left tackle that out there who is arguably the number one tackle in the NFL right now, and that's Orlando Brown. Statistically... Signing offensive linemen in free agency is one of the worst ways to mm-hmm. uh, get offensive linemen because you end up overpaying and they end up underperforming, like almost across the board. Very few of the top tier offensive linemen 
end up performing at the level you expect them to. And it's the silent signings that end up overperforming. And so it's, it's a very delicate balance, but going with statistics, it's best to fix your offensive line in the draft. And that's why the bears are in such a fantastic position because they can trade down once, twice, who, who cares how many times they trade down. They can have four second round picks in this draft that they want and they can draft two receivers, two O-linemen, whoever, I mean, whatever positions, pick your poison, whoever's best available. And that's why this number one position in the draft makes them, they could, they could make some noise in that NFC North next year. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Damn Good Dogcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.